what a blessing it is for us. I don't know about you, but my heart feels full right now just knowing that we are in this awesome church family that God has called in this city and seeing, you know, it was awesome for me. I felt that, you know, see, I'm seeing like parents and families here dedicating their lives so that they would be able to raise children in the fear and in the love of God. Right? And then also to be able to see, for me, to observe and, and be part of this and seeing that as a church family, that God would strengthen us, to, strengthen us to commit into helping parents and families to raise their children to love God and fear Him. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Amen. All right. Okay, well, today I have been uh, given the privilege and task of delivering God's Word to you. And uh, we are in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. And again, you know, this is an awesome morning. I'm so, I just want to say, I'm so glad to be part of this family. Aren't you? I hope you are too, right? Okay. All right. I know you are. All right. What an awesome thing it is. So talking about families, um, our, uh, the title of our sermon for today is A Glorious Part of Our Calling. And we're going to be talking about authentic love. So we are in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. Please uh, read with me. Romans 12, 9 to 13, it says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Let us open with a word of prayer. Father, we ask, uh, we ask that as we come to you in your word, that you would send a sure spirit and that you might illuminate for us and really speak to us today. Take your word and bury it deep in our hearts and plant the truth of your word into our lives so that we might be transformed to be more like Jesus. Speak to us, O Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, uh, before I get on with my points, I want to tell you a little bit of a story that happened some two or three weeks ago. I forget. But in any case, this is about Hayden playing with some of her Legos. You know, those little things that you connect and build or whatever. Um, but in any case, so one afternoon, two weeks ago, Hayden was playing with... Hayden, by the way, is my three-year-old daughter. Uh, and uh, so she was playing with her Legos in the kitchen, in the dining area. And, you know, she was putting pieces together and it was, everything was quiet. And at some point... She started making sounds of frustration, like, Argh! right? And, and she was getting angry. And what started happening, and then so we, we, my wife and I, my wife Michaela, so we, start, we started looking, you know, for what's going on. And, you know, we see that Hayden was struggling to put some of the pieces together, right? And so Michaela, my wife, offered to help. And she said, Hayden, would you want me to help you? And then, she, and then Hayden didn't say anything, and so she was just like, oh, oh, and she threw it on the floor, and it, you know, scattered all over the place, and I was just watching this, right? And then so for me, I perceived that, oh, you know, this was kind of rude for how my daughter would treat my wife, and so I said, Hayden, you know, that's not nice, you know, say sorry to mom. But at this time, uh, so Michaela was in the living room, and so Hayden walked from the dining area to the living room, kind of like, you know, grudgingly, and she goes, sorry, mom, <laughs> right? And then Michaela said, oh, it's okay, no worries, come give me a hug. And she said, no! And then she walked away, right? She walked away. 
Um, but then, you know, so, and then uh, apparently afterwards, so that was during the afternoon, and in the nighttime, before bedtime, apparently what happened was uh, Hayden w- went to talk to my wife. And Hayden brought up that whole incident. She's three, right? So for me, this was crazy. I was like, this is amazing, <laughs> you know? But so she brought up the whole incident to my wife, and she actually said, sorry, mom, for what she did, right? And so I was like, you know, that, that was amazing. So the next day, Michaela told me that that had happened. And so Michaela and I had a moment of reflection, you know? I was like, oh, that was, you know, so, you know, have, I felt a little bit proud of like, yeah, this is my daughter, right? Um, but also, you know, I was like, wow, that's amazing that, you know, really in a family, sometimes you can't force people to like say sorry, you know? Sometimes you got to give space for people in, the, in a family to think about what they've done, if they've done something wrong or not. And, and then, you know, if, if the family is in a loving relationship, then from that, from within, you know, something naturally happens. They just ask for forgiveness, you know, or, or they talk. At least they communicate, right? Um, and so for me, that was a blessing. And, and that's kind of like what we're going to be going through in our uh, preaching for today. All right. So this is amazing. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, just give me a second here. All right. Okay. So... There really is a joy in being part of a family, and um, it's an awesome thing that we know we can be in a place like a, like a home or even here, our home church, wherein we can grow in learning, in forgiveness, we can grow in acknowledging mistakes and, and being in love. And uh, again, I think that this is nice, that we, God allows us to see that this is the reality of the Christian life. So as we tackle that today... Um, I know that earlier, b- earlier in the service, Michelle came up here and he told you guys that you are loved, right? And do you believe that that is true? Amen. <laughs> right? I believe that, you know, do you believe that you are loved? Amen, yeah. And I know that that is uh, something that we, we tell our, our church family every week. But, you know, I want to I talk about that just a little bit, you know, to, to talk about the specifics of what that means. So here's the thing, you know, we tell our church family and the people out in the world that they are loved. And is that true? And the truth is, yes, they are loved by God. Now, to be more specific, there is kind of like three different levels. And the thing is, you know, it is true that God loves in a, uh, a benevolent kind of way, in a goodwill kind of way. So whether you know God or not, the truth is, in general, God loves his creation and the people in it. So that is true. So there is an attitude of of God. God's attitude, the way he thinks about people is that he loves them. All right? And there's, by the way, there's no such thing as the bad will of God. So this is the good will of God towards people. The second level is kind of like a, a ben, uh, benefit kind of love. It's, a, it's called beneficent kind of love. We're in, you know, people who don't really know God or who don't consider Jesus at all. And yet, uh, because God loves them, they receive blessings from God. They benefit. So, you know, for example, in the book of Matthew, we learn that God is the same God who lets the rain, you know, go to the farmers whether they are evil or not. And God still blesses them. So those are kind of like the two levels. You know, it is true that you are loved. You are loved because God is thinking good thoughts about you. And also, at the same time, God is acting and he's allowing you to experience this love. But the third love that I want to, I'm going to talk about for a bit is this love called the complacent love of God. And this is talking about really, you know, if you go in the Psalms, you would see that it says that the Lord our God is blessed forevermore. 
And, you know, a part of what that means is that God is blessed. Like, he does not need anything else outside of himself. He is completely perfect on his own. And from all of eternity, even before time began, there is the triune God, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And each person loved each other perfectly forever. So that's the truth. But then here's the thing. Regarding that third love I'm talking about, what happens is if we place our faith and trust in Jesus and embrace him by faith and repent of our sins, what happens is we are invited to take part into that glorious love that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has been enjoying from before time began, even before in all of eternity. And so, you know, that's a part of what we do here at the bridge. The thing is, actually, um, we... If you, if you come here to the bridge, we tell you that you are loved, and that is part of our process. It's part of our process to let you know that uh, this is what we do here. We, we let you know that you're loved, that God has goodwill, goodwill for you, and has God, God is, wants to benefit you. But even more than that, that you would be invited to join in in this awesome, glorious experience of being with God. And so, now... There we go. So, you are loved. And I hope that God, by His grace, would allow you to see where you are in that. Are you just someone who is experiencing God from afar in a general way? Or are you someone who is experiencing God, like, literally, intimately, in a real relationship, um, enjoying and basking and reveling in the love of God? Um, Now, the sermon for today, I want to be clear, is actually meant for God's people. So for those who trust in the name of Jesus, if you are here, this message is for you. But I also want to say that if it's your first time attending this church today, or if you have not yet believed in the name of the Son of God, I want you to know that part of the process of discipleship here at the bridge is to invite you to get in on this love of God. We are here, we are here to help you to know God, to find freedom, to discover your purpose, and to make a difference. We're here to help you believe in the work and person of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you would embrace him and trust in him, so that you would have a desire in your heart to have a fellowship with him. We love you. (laughs) But anyway, um, regarding authentic love within God's family, here's my first point. All right, point number one. In God's family, love is an authentic expression of goodwill. In verse 9 there, in Romans 12, it says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. This is the lifestyle of God's people. Here, we are taught that the way we love each other should be without hypocrisy. It should be genuine, authentic love. So love should be genuine and without pretense. In verse 9, you know, why is Paul saying this? Well, here's the truth. This was a problem in the church in ancient Rome. Uh, He's saying that even in the church, and this is heartbreaking, but this is the truth. Although it it is opposed to God's will and God's design, uh, even in the church, love has been corrupted, uh, corrupted. It has become corrupted because of hypocrisy. You know, and maybe you guys have also experienced this too, right? Maybe maybe you have done it, or maybe someone has done it to you, and they, they said, hey, I love you. But then you know it's not real, you know? And, 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 and maybe you've, you've said it because you were forced to say, I love you, but then you don't really feel it. It's not really there. There's no content in what you're saying. 
And so Paul, the Apostle Paul wants us to get away from that because the love that we have for each other has content. Um, it has truth. And, 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 and it, ha- it should be genuine and not out of, out of pretense. And this is the love that is centered around God and is from God. And so the concern, the immediate concern, is that there are people in the church saying that they are going to love a certain way, that they're going to live a certain way, you know, the, a life that is righteous, perhaps, a life that is loving and biblical, and yet they live another way. So that is an immediate concern. And even worse, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're living your life or loving in pretense, what tends to happen too is that you expect people to meet that standard, right? So you're walking around and you're expecting people that they should be authentic and real to you. Um, and so it makes it even worse. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, this is what happened to that church back in those days. And also, it's probably true. I would say it is true, even in the church now. So this is good for us to know. Um, most of you know that the word hypocrite is a dramatic or a theatrical term. Um, the original term you know, comes from this idea that a hypocrite is someone who wears two different masks, two different persona, like in the theater, like in the play, like back in the days. So, how do we combat hypocrisy? Well, Christian love is this. It is love that always tells the truth. It is love that always expects the best of the other. And hear this, this love is always accountable to the word of God. So how do we combat hypocrisy? Well, with this kind of love. Love that tells the truth, love that expects the best out of the other, and love that is always accountable to the word of God. Now, in our context in the church today, this means, what does that mean? Well, just be honest and be truthful, knowing that you're accountable to God's word. So that's important for us as God's people, that we would do that. Um, I understand that there are emotions and sentimentality sometimes that are attached to the love that we give. But, you know, it's a good reminder for us that if you remember earlier, you know, God's goodwill, the way he loves us is he's thinking about it, right? There's content and there's also action. It's more than just sentimental stuff, but really, we've seen it, we've seen it, we've experienced this, and we know this, that Christ died for us on the cross because he loves us, that there is really the sacrificial giving of oneself. And so authentic love requires that we speak the truth to each other in love with respect to each other and other people's dignity. We should apply this, and it should be our prayer, that we would love each other enough so that we can be honest with each other. May God help us that we would love each other enough so that we can always, you know, find the best out of the other, right? And of course, um, that we would love uh, in truth according to God's word. Especially now because our world operates in not telling the truth, right? And I think, I think that's why, you know, even in the church, sometimes it's even challenging to practice real love, authentic, genuine love. Um, you know, I'm th- I was thinking about, you know, it's hard for us perhaps because we are surrounded by culture, it's true, that encourages people to put on masks. We live in that kind of a culture. Uh, I'm not talking about the facial mask for stopping disease. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the persona, right? The, the theatrical mask. I, I'm this person in front of these, these people, and I'm another person in front of these people, and then I'm another person in front of God kind of thing. And, and our, our culture encourages that. 
even worse, our culture actually praises those people, right, that are living everyday life with a mask. You know, they're not really being who they really are. And, and, and you know, and now it's, and suddenly it's like a battle for all the praises, you know, all the likes and the comments and, and social media and all that. Um, and that is the kind of culture that we live in. But as God's people, if we are to love, Paul tells us that we are to love without pretense or hypocrisy within the church, especially if you have really been transformed by the mercy of God. You will see this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. So a life marked by this genuine love is not an option for the Christian. To love genuinely requires that we know in our minds and in our hearts uh, that Jesus has given his life for us, of what he has done for us. This is love without pretense. You know, the text goes on to say, genuine love hates what is evil and love loves what is good. Because it, re- it re- because it reflects God himself, amen? And his love for the church, that's what it reflects. Uh, R.C. Sproul once said, um, a Christian is known not only by what he believes or affirms, but also by what he rejects and denies. So let us consider that for a moment. To the dying world that is watching us, the church can be identified. You know, can the world identify you as a follower of Christ because they know the specifics of what you love and how you love, as well as what you hate and how you hate what you hate. And of course, it's grounded in the truth of God's word. All right, second point. Um, In God's family, brotherly affection and family bond should be experienced. You know, verse 10 over there says, uh, love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor. All right. So uh, this is the lifestyle of God's people. Now, this is interesting because here in verse 10, Paul uses the Greek term philostorgos. Okay, so I don't want to get too technical with this. But some of you might know that Philadelphia is a term that's used in the Greek. It's talking about basically brotherly love. You might know in the U.S., you know, the city of Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, right? Um, And then... Paul uses this other word, storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, uh, and it talks about this sort of love that is natural. So, for example, when a mother gives birth to a, to a child, there's just a natural, automatic love for that child, right? There's no more thinking about it. It's just there. It's an automatic, natural love. And so Paul is talking about there is this brotherly love. That's what this brotherly affection, you know, I would be devoted to you and we are mutually committed to the truth of God's word and to the gospel and all that. And then on this side of things, there's this, just this natural, no need to try kind of love. And then what Paul does is he puts that together. And he said, this is how we are to love one another, with philostorgos, you know, with a brotherly love and at the same time with this some sort of automatic love. And of course, Again, if you are not in Christ, this would be difficult for you to do. You would be frustrated with this. But if you are in Christ, this is what Paul is saying, something that would flow automatically out of you from deep within. And so the whole point here is if you really are part of God's family, if you are, uh, you know, if God is your father and we are his children, then really we should be experiencing this. We should be experiencing family bonding. Right? Um, just the joy of being 
with one another. You know, there is a sense that when we're here, when we're together, you know, my house is your house kind of thing, right? There is this sense that we can be safe, that we can be transparent. There is a sense that, you know, I, sure, I have my own personal things going on, but I can, you know, I, don't, I can put the walls down and we can, we can pray for each other and we can know about our weaknesses and, and know about our strengths and work together in pursuit of holiness and for the glory of God. I can feel at home when I'm here. Uh, I know that the things that I have, I can easily share to any of you. This sort of feeling is, is what happens when we are in Christ. And of course, in context of what we're reading today, back in, in those days, in, in, in ancient Rome, when people in the church started doing that, this was radical. You know, the people were like, because back then, you know, the Lord is Caesar. Caesar is curious, right? The Lord is Caesar. But when Jesus became Lord, for many of those people, the believers there, like everyone was seeing that they were just really there for each other. Whether practical, you know, spiritual, they would support each other because of the love that, have, that they've experienced from Jesus himself. All right? Um, and, you know, and the truth is this sort of love also overcomes whether you like the person or not. You know? Sometimes, I, how, how many of you here have, uh, bro- uh, were already born before you had other brothers and sisters? You know, you're the oldest maybe. Right? Yeah. And then, and then you know, and then suddenly when everything was going along well, everything was good. And one day, you know, I, was, I think I was five when I had my sister, you know. Everything was going along well, and then one day suddenly he's like, oh, who's this new person that now ruined all of my dynamics or whatever's going on between me and my dad, right, and my mom, you know. Um, there is that sense of they just, they're just part of the family. There's something you can do about it. I did not choose my sister, you know. But in the same way, God chooses the people in his family. That's the truth. And sometimes we, we, we will see this, that we might not right away like the other person in the church. All right, nobody looking around. All right, okay. I see, I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it, okay. But, um, but, you know, so we might not like the preference. Maybe we might not specifically like the way they dress up or the way they choose to do certain things. Maybe the way they lead or, and whatnot, or different languages and all that. Uh, but, the end of the, but at the end of the day, you know, because of the love that God has for us in Christ, these things are overcome uh, by the fact that we are adopted in the family of God, this sacred bond that we have. And, you know, so that's amazing. It overcomes the, the adoption, the bond that we have with Jesus overcomes whatever I don't like about you and what you don't like about me. But even more than that, it overcomes any grievances that we have. You know, if you have offended me or I have offended you, it, the love of Christ overcomes and covers and envelops all of that. And so we're able to forgive and love one another. What an amazing thing that is to be in the family of God. Amen? Well, wow, let's just give God praise. Yeah, I just, I'm so thankful for that. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, and so uh, that's what this is about. You know, I love the fact that we can be real with one another. We can be available for each other, and we can be honest to each other. And for me even, you know, you know what has been such a blessing to me in this church? When I make a mistake, or when I, even if I would sin, or if I spoke too harshly, people would approach me, and they would rebuke me in love, and correct me in truth. I love that. Don't you love that? That, that God has given us a family of people that, that, you know, you're not alone. You're not on your own. You're not trying to figure this out on your own. You have your own blind spots. You have your own, you know, things that are quirky about you and stuff like that. But people are, are telling you 
because they love you, right? Uh, earlier this week in our staff team, we were kidding, uh, we were joking around about the fact that, you know, sometimes you could be like going out and having a meal with a friend and they can have something stuck in between their teeth. And, and you know, but for me, you know, I would so appreciate it if you and I were to go out and eat lunch or something and have something stuck between my teeth, please tell me, right? I can't have a whole lunch conversation with you and you, I, I already know there's something in my face or... But we, in, 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 in a real way, you know, being a family, you tell people when you see something, not because you're, you have a heart of criticism, but because you love, because you understand that you have been grafted into this love. That's so awesome and so glorious and so amazing. I, it's, it's really hard to put this into words, but we thank God that we, ha- we have the Psalms and we have the Scripture to help us understand what this means. So this is what it's about. We're living our lives together. Together, we can press on, you know, by faith, together. Together, we can pursue holiness and and live lives to bring glory to God, together. Amen. Amen. And uh, the third thing I want to share with you guys, so I have four things, we're almost there. The third thing is, God's family is empowered by the Holy Spirit to pursue serving God in others. Uh, Verse 11 says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Again, this is the lifestyle of God's people. Here, Paul is encouraging and reminding us uh, that the Christian life is not just a truth to be known, but it is a truth to be embraced and to be lived out. The Christian life is not only about how I am to understand the gospel, although that's important. We need to understand the gospel. We need to be able to articulate it even, to preach it and all that. But it is very clear, too, that we come into this relationship with God because of our personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. That is the first step. But Paul, in these verses, he's making it very clear that it's not just about understanding the gospel and trusting Jesus for salvation, but the Christian life is is also about Christians together in the congregation living out the glory of God. I don't know if you caught that. This is crazy because, you know, sometimes we go over those verses, but this is literally talking about for God's glory. Um, And again, it's another thing that would be so hard to articulate. But the point is, as God's family, as God's people, we are to live out our lives for the gospel, for the glory of of God together. That's our common life together. So here, we as a church not only have a mutual accountability to the gospel, We also have a mutual commitment to the spread of the gospel, but also with one another, we have a commitment to living out the gospel in our common life together. So now you can look to the person beside you and be like, yeah, I got you and you got me, right? What excites you, it's what excites me to bring glory to the name of God. Um, And so uh, there are many examples that could be given here. but, you know, the culture that we live in today dictates this, you know. It's every man for himself, right? You do your thing. You do you, and I do me. That's kind of the culture that we live in. Uh, but not so with God's people. Here, we are exhorted, we are taught that your life is really not about you. It's about God, yes, but also about God's people. It's about the people in here. Um, uh, it's, it's against what the culture is teaching, in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 8, it says, um, you know, it, it gives an example, a metaphor of having this one body, of being part of the body of Christ. You know, there is one body and all 
each member exists for the body in order that the body may function in the way that God had intended the body to be. You know, so very similar to a, a physical body, if there is dysfunctionality in the body of Christ, it is because one of the members does not know his place or function or may not be fulfilling his role. And so we would see a dysfunction in the body of Christ in that way. You know, in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, just, you know, a few verses before, for example, we are told to exercise our spiritual gifts, right? So we are to exercise the spiritual gifts according to the portion of faith that's been given to us. So we are told and instructed that the believer in a certain church community, in the local church, where they do life together, we are told that if you have, if you have the gift of service, what should you do? You should serve, that's what it says there in the verses. So in a local church, you know, we understand this, that as being part of the body, if, if God has given you the gift of service, it says, then serve. If teaching, then teach. If you have the gift of exhortation, then exhort. If you have the gift of giving, then give with liberality or with freedom. If leading, then lead with diligence. If God has given you the gifts of mercy, then show mercy with cheerfulness. And there's many more. There are many more, you know, uh, characteristics and definitions of this. But, uh, but overall, I just want to say that I think it's okay that, that many of us here, you know, uh, acknowledge that, hey, I know that God has given me a gift, right? It's true, and I believe this. I know that God has given each and every one at least one gift, Right to be able to serve in this local church community at the bridge. I know that. We know that from scriptures. But I think it would be a healthier way to say it this way, that um, the gift that was given to us is actually given to the church through you. That's how it works. Right? If you guys would read the verses, it's talking about the spiritual gifts to the church, not to Jonathan specifically, right? So basically what God has given me is not my gift in, in a real way. It's really the gift of, that was given to God, I mean, that was given by God to the church through me. And so I hope that we would consider that and pray about that and say, hey, you know, we would talk to God about it and, and ask him, Father, help me to know my gifts. Help me to discover my purpose and strengthen me to actually take part in it in this local church community because this is where you've brought me in the season of my life. May that be true for us. Um, and so overall, you know, the, the church functions by every member exercising his or her gifts to the glory of God. All right? It's, it's again, it's to and through. Uh, the Lord accomplishes his gift to and through each and every believer in this church if each believe, believer partners with God by exercising his or her spiritual giftings appropriately. And so, this is an encouragement for you. Um, again, the encouragement for us as always, every Sunday, be a diligent student of the scriptures. Read God's word. Be actively engaged in what God is doing here at the bridge. And then, by, God's, you know, by the strength of God, work hard and be a reliable co-worker in God's mission field here in this church and in our communities. Also evangelize often, preach the gospel. This is what we are to do as God's people. By God's grace and by his strength, do not be a mere spectator or consumer of this awesome, glorious blessing. 
uh, but by his strength. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I believe that. So pray to God. Ask him to show you and help you discover how to do this. He will give you the wisdom. He will give you the strength. He will, in fact, provide you. He will equip what you need, even the people in your life that you would need to accomplish this for his glory, for him. Last, uh, point number four, God's family is distinguished by how they love, by how they live out the gospel. In verses 12 to 13 there, it says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Again, this is the lifestyle of God's people. The truth of the gospel must be welling up in us by now. If, you have, if you've received the gospel, it should be something from within, and it's, it's just can't wait to be expressed out. That's really what's happening, what would happen to the believer. Uh, so it must be evident in our lives that the Lord is transforming us, that he's making us and causing us to be more like Jesus, to be more and more into his image every day. Really, the way that we love and live speaks volumes to what we think. Listen to this. The way that we live and the way that we love speaks volumes about what we think about Jesus. That's so crucial for us to always remember that. Sometimes we forget. And so it is great for us to be reminded of that truth. Uh, Now, in John chapter 17, verses 22 to 24, this is uh, the prayer, the high priestly prayer, and this was, this was Jesus' prayer before he was betrayed. And it says there, John chapter 17, verses 22 to 24, it says, the glory, this is Jesus praying, he said, and he's talking to the Father. He said, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. Look at this. To see my glory. To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. So this is the prayer. This was the prayer of Jesus for all those who would believe in his name. And so in ending, this is the truth. Our lives must be lived in such a way that we show and demonstrate to a dying world the reality of our living hope, of our Savior, the one who loves us so gloriously. And that's why at the end of Romans chapter 12, there, uh, verses 12 to 13, you know, it's, it's saying, so then rejoice, you know, in rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and, and seek to show hospitality. That little part there, seek to show, is actually telling us to strenuously pursue to show hospitality. You know, if there's a new person that would come to this church, you would be the first. I would, you know, I can't wait. I'm so excited to be the first to talk to them and just say, hi, I've, I've never seen you here before. And then, you know, funny thing, sometimes that happens is that they've been here before you. But in any case, it's okay. 
right? That's happened to me <laughs> a couple of weeks back. But, uh, but that's okay. But really, this, the way that we interact, communicate, and more importantly, love on each other here is actually being watched by the world. And the way that they see how we love each other is how they see Jesus. And so that is so important for us to, you know, with God's strength, by his grace, to always be just in, uh, in, in constant recognition of that, that, that people are watching, and this is for his glory and for his name, for the sake of the name. Amen. So um, uh, don't neglect, then, to take part in God's glorious call for you to be a believer, as a believer, right? So God has called us as believers to take part in this. And specifically for today, we are taught that we have to take part in loving each other genuinely. That's the word of God. All right, let's pray.